Okay, we're online. Welcome, friends around the world, to another episode of the Podcasting Guild, Babylon 5. The show where we don't quite know what we're doing, but nonetheless, you're still listening. And we're also joined by Andrew, as ever, the poet and artist himself. Wow, wow. Your introductions are getting more and more flowery. I, I, I like this. I like this. We'll work our way to God King. Yes. Poet and artist is, is a good is a good stepping stone though. And speaking of poets and artists, you know how Sinclair has an affinity for Tennyson. Thought that T. S. Eliot had a good quote that we could throw in okay. here for this last episode of the season. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. I don't know. Does that apply? Because a whole <laughs> giant spaceship exploded. And I guess it's ironic. You could argue that, like... you know, fine, you know. <laughs> uh, you could argue that because it was in space, if a bang is the sound, that there wasn't, you know. Yeah, there's no sound, no sound in, space. in space. What are you talking about? So no bang right. on a technicality. <laughs> oh, boy. This was, I mean, this was a pretty, I have, I'm a little disappointed with the finale because I think a lot of the value was vested in the questions that will be answered next season because there was a lot of plot lines. I don't know if you noticed, but every scene was super short because they had to get to the yeah. next scene because they have like five plot lines going and none of them have a resolution. They all just opened a bunch of questions. <laughs> Which, you know, for a season finale is fine because it teases the next season. This is the kind of season finale you make. Well, I don't know. I was about to say when you know you're getting another season, but that actually might not be true. Yeah, I don't know how much of a cliffhanger this was. And I don't know if this qualifies quite as a cliffhanger. Well, maybe not a cliffhanger in the sense <laughs> that it was the middle of an action scene. But I don't know. There are kind of a lot of cliffhangers. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah let's get into it as as we say all right here we go we opened with a classic i've been missing it a good londo jakar fight yes arguing about some sector that they both claim and this time with an audience they're doing it in front of the full group of un nations in space totally totally and once again, it was almost inconsequential what the actual dispute was. They just needed them to have an intractable dispute. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's not true. The fact that it's a military installation of some kind, I guess, comes into play when it gets all blowed up like. But yeah, no, I was happy to see Jakar back. I kind of missed the old bugger. <laughs> we hadn't seen him for a while. Fighting with Londo. Oh, man. And being an absolute dog. <laughs> I was talking about his lady friends. <laughs> so basically right after that, the Jakar and Lando arguing in an ambassador meeting, we cut to poor old stabbed Petrov, oh, who, Petrov. who enters and leaves the episode in about two scenes over which he's... We barely knew yeah, ye. Yeah, we barely knew ye. <laughs> Do not go quietly into that good night. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that was pretty <laughs> quiet. So yeah, just long enough to give ominous but ultimately not that useful information (laughs) yeah 
went to the same school of like communication as that scout pilot from a few episodes ago who had like three whole seconds of airtime that he used to say well, that's impossible oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah this was the same now this guy was bleeding out so he didn't have all his faculties so i guess he gets a pass let us not judge fictional characters bleeding out and then after he dies in the med lab this was such a busy episode it was actually one of the problems i had with it it was a very busy episode so now sinclair's longtime on and off girlfriend is back in town yep and we cut to them just sort of chilling on the couch and sinclair gives basically the worst proposal Worst proposal I've ever heard in a character fitting way. Like it was good writing. Yeah. That he gave a bad proposal. But yeah, he's basically stammers around for a while and then is like, look, do you want to get married or not? (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty great. Yeah. It was very character appropriate. Exactly. Yes. 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 That's what I wanted. It wasn't a bad proposal in that it was bad writing. It was, uh, it was well done for, yeah, the character. I enjoyed that. One of the best lines happens in the next scene where Londo is complaining to Veer about what's going on. Oh my God, I know what line you're talking about. (laughs) One of the best lines of the whole season. Pretty great line. Pretty great line. And he's complaining about how they're going to just give up Quadrant 37 because the Centauri Republic doesn't want to create a scene and how things are just going horrible and all these other things and he feels like he's being pecked to death by cats instead yeah, of no it, it was great described. it was great he was like uh what are those the the earth creatures uh small with feathers webbed feet uh and, with a bill yeah yeah and and space newman his sidekick is like cats and he's like yes <laughs> I feel like i'm being pecked to death by cats and i i yeah i agree best line in the whole season that was hysterical. <laughs> and both actors played it really cool. They both played it like, they yeah, did. yeah. Good call. Good memory on that one. That's the re- that's the one. That was pretty great. That was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, how many people that speak a second language have totally done that when not speaking their native tongue, obviously? Oh, yeah. My yeah, wife, I'm sure that my happens wife has all the been time. learning Chinese for a couple of years, and she heard someone's name, which was like a normal name, but what she heard was small cups and she's like why <laughs> why are they named small cups and then she was told they are not in fact named that there oh, i hope that was yeah. an amusing anecdote because it's immortalized forever on this podcast now yeah so that whole scene was just them i think the whole scene almost was to get that line out because in other ways yeah. it didn't really move the f- plot forward well it was setting the scene for Morden to make his reappearance because oh, he makes his reappearance yes. in here with their video telephones, which never took off in reality. <laughs> Can you imagine answering telephones nowadays and having always to do video conference for every phone call you answer? That'd be so annoying. <laughs> it would be quite annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to pick it up. What they didn't foresee is that people would just text all the time because making a call is like a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah 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 you're right we got we got what's his name morden morden morden, yeah, morden that's a bad guy his reappearance for sure Definitely yeah a bad guy totally a bad guy i thought maybe in the episode i thought they said morgan 
And I wouldn't be it so sure if like it was that. a bad guy if his name was Morgan. Well, Morgan Lefay, not that's not not the nicest guy. Yeah, I'm right? not saying there's zero bad guys named Morgan. <laughs> but I'm just saying when you hear Morden, right? You know, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Morden's a bit more evil sounding, I suppose. Supposing he's evil, of course. Supposing, who knows? Who knows? He's a mysterious character. Could just be coincidental who can you know orchestrates big military ambushes somehow and could be coincidence we don't know for sure could it though could be taking credit for it for something i feel like it was one of the few things that wasn't a mystery in this episode (laughs) (laughs) is who did all that shit yes well anyway it's a very deal with the devil episode for londo Mm -hmm. because morden asks londo to join him he just says in the garden, and then we find out the garden is a hedge maze, which I've been to a lot of gardens. Basically, none of them have been hedge mazes. So I thought that was an interesting choice. Super fancy garden, especially on a space station where you figure resources are going to be really limited. I completely agree. I completely agree. Maybe it's a sign of opulence. It seems like they just wanted a place for scheming. They wanted a scheming corner. Yeah, a scheme board. You know, someone had watched Downton Abbey, which I know wasn't out when this was written, <laughs> but it was like, I know. I know where they can scheme. I've never seen Downton Abbey. I actually don't know if there's much sque- scheming in that show or not. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Big old hedge maze, maze <laughs> in the middle of Bab 5. No big deal. Yep. This is how they roll. I, I have to wonder what it would be like to live on a station like that where you could actually see other parts of the station because if you looked at this obviously it's a matte painting in the background yeah but if you look at it you see curvature of the station but all the other parts of the station there that you can i imagine walk to or take a transport to to and how that would feel looking at that i'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around what it'd be like to live on the inside of a station like that yeah no that'd be pretty crazy huh i mean halo did it pretty well yeah yeah. Give you the sense of being on some huge circular thing. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That would be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, yeah, I guess it's the scale is pretty big, isn't it? Like they're pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty large. You can see the buildings in the distant background and green areas. You know, in, in theory, you'd be able to float in the well. middle of it. Yep. Remember, that's why they had the roller coaster harnesses in the first episode for the transport tube. That's true, but they just gave those up for for like train cars, like subway. (laughs) No more roller coasters. Which we actually got a little bit of in this episode, didn't we? We got a scene. We did, yes. Yeah. Okay, anyway, moving along. We get some super cryptic nonsense from Delane. Basically, the whole episode is her just saying cryptic stuff. She's got. Well, is that any different from normal? I mean, she's always been cryptic. It's sure. She's always been cryptic. She's always been cryptic. Playing her Mimbari Jenga on the, the on the side there. And some of it was too cryptic. Sort of broke the verisimilitude a little bit because, like, when she's there face to face with Sinclair, saying, "I have something important to tell you. Super important. You really need to know this. Oh, and also, I'm really short on time." But for no obvious reason, I'm not going to tell you now when we're face to face. Like, I'm going to give you a quest. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) What? Why, though? Yeah, I don't know. 
that was a little like okay okay sure mm-hmm. where were we so the first cryptic thing she does is chit chat with kosh and who then flashes her yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> sh- literally shows her the, yeah literally it's true shows her the goods <laughs> that's a funny that's a funny description and she's like oh good good okay i'll hold up my end of the bargain or whatever she says i don't know yeah. it was all really cryptic i mean you gotta you gotta pay for providers right i mean giving a service she's now gonna pay for that service i guess right so you dirty dirty old man eric <laughs> what are you talking about you, he's a service he's provider a lecherous lecherous thoughts <laughs> yeah i mean what whatever kosh and you know, it made me think of the pilot when the when the doctor looked at Kasha's face and was like, mm-hmm. nothing shall ever be the same. And everyone around him was apparently, oh, cool. That's all the information we need about that. <laughs> yeah. No one was like, we really need you to elaborate as the only human to ever like. like I was like, all right. Okay, bye. <laughs> so then Delane saw him and then goes back to her quarters and like, continues building the space Lego set, you know, space connects. <laughs> yeah. Which might have literally been one of those plastic build block toys. It could have been. It, it yeah. Might, yeah. It might've actually been those, but it's hard to tell. Yeah. And you're like, well, what's that for? And even once you see the end of the episode, you still don't know what it was, what it was all for. There's really mm-hmm. no explanation. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, there's so many plot lines in this episode. Okay. <laughs> the next part is Garibaldi tracking down that lead. That's from... right. So the poor guy yeah. who got stabbed was one of Garibaldi's informants. So Garibaldi is going to track down exactly who killed him. But what I don't understand is, okay, Garibaldi, you demonstrated that you're somewhat competent at actually investigating things in the last episode. But here you are walking into a part of the station where they clearly don't like oh, cops. Yeah. In your cop uniform. Yeah. I mean, undercover maybe? You're investigating something where someone died. It's very noir, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but that works because noirs are private eyes, right? right. Who who right. are working all by themselves. He's, the, not he's the head of security. It's yeah. it's only slightly less absurd than Sinclair going out in fighters. Right? right, because fair yeah. enough, investigating crimes is at least in his job description. You cannot tell me flying fighters is in Sinclair's job description. <laughs> it's not. But at least this is in Garibaldi's job description. But him doing it all by himself. By himself. Is in uniform. It's just kind of absurd. You're the head yeah. of security, Brosef. Yeah. What does he expect people are gonna to respond to when they see a cop showing up in an area where they clearly don't like cops? Of course, he's going to respond that way. That's true. That's true. And he's like, he's dead. Don't you want to get whoever did it? And wow, that <laughs> yeah. great, great, you know, oratory prowess. Garibaldi really <laughs> speaking to the people here. Yeah. So we got a bit of the bad parts of town when you could tell they were bad because every there was steam everywhere and rags just dangling yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah. And I guess it does contrast rather sharply with the gardens, with the uh you know the hedge maze <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway i said this a million times but it still makes no sense to me how there's a massive underclass on this station mm-hmm. like, that's just that just 
anyway. Okay. Yeah, some nice hallway rags. And Garibaldi finds someone there who worked at the last job with whatever his name was. Petrov, the, the guy who got Petrov, stabbed. Yeah. And knows who hired him and gives them a name. And I didn't write down what the name was, but it was the name of one of the bad guys. <laughs> Devereaux, who is a returning character or was a returning character. <laughs> oh, really? He was in another episode? He was in the episode where Londo got the eye. Okay. He was the one that originally found the eye and gave it to Londo before Londo handed it off to the guy that got killed. Londo met with a couple of humans that just happened to come across oh, really? that eye. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was one of those guys that gave it to him. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. I think that's what they were trying to tie him to that because that was obviously a story about the Raiders. I think what they were trying to do is they try trying to tie back as a kind of a misdirect. Oh, maybe the Raiders are doing something. Because he's involved with it. Well, so was it Morden's plot then? Or the people Morden are with to kill the president? Because wasn't Morden involved in getting the eye back and stuff? That's yet to be determined. Oh, okay, I'm asking yet. questions that you can't answer. Under, we can't answer those pain questions. Of death. Okay. Yeah. Exciting so stuff. The guy, we don't know his affiliations at this point, other than he had a unmarked ppg oh okay backing up a little bit guys it's just this is going to be a a spaghetti (laughs) episode there's like too many plot lines and we're just not that organized so bear with us but i want to go back to the hedge mage maze hedge mage (laughs) head hedge maze yes because morden was giving off the strongest make a deal with the devil (laughs) vibes i mean he was like no price no price We'll just need a favor. <laughs> you yeah, know? Londo watched one movie, a mafia movie. I mean, that's all he would have needed to do. Dude, know for real. How bad Londo, that was. You need a little tiny bit of genre savvy here, my man. <laughs> we just need a little favor. Don't worry it about was, it. It was, I mean, cool. honestly, it was just one genre shift away from being a fiddle contest. It was so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, we're just here to help. Just to help. No price. No price. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so back to Garibaldi. He finds... I'm sorry, I don't even remember. You just told me. But the guy whose name he was given, he finds the guy... Yeah, Devereaux. Devereaux playing space gambling at the casino. (laughs) As one does does. at the casino. And Devereaux is basically like, nah, I'm not going anywhere. And then Garibaldi says, oh, yes, you are. That's it. It was like neither one really put that much effort into standing their ground. But he goes with Garibaldi and he says, this is too big for you. You don't want to touch this. Which, you know, Mm -hmm. if it was too big for him and this dude, which it turns out, yeah, this dude's involved in like a super high up plot that goes all the way to the top, blah, blah, blah. He's really running his mouth rather freely. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he sure is insinuating a lot of things that he probably should just keep to himself and you know yeah if he's a secret agent he's not a very good one no totally yeah he's, he's like 007 right away. james bond who gives his name <laughs> and his number out freely just telling everyone who he is <laughs> it's fitting they met in a casino <laughs> It's true. It's true. I like that we got a little casino in this episode. It was a good good book ending of the season because we started in this season. Yep. Well, we, at least there was a we lot did. of casino in the, in the pilot. All right. So Garibaldi's got his guy. The next scene, we 
see Sinclair, or the next scene I have notes about at least, is Sinclair visiting Jakar. <laughs> and I guess it's to like convince him to be nice to Londo, but I don't know. What's the point of the scene? Just showing what a poonhound Jakar is? Well, firstly, I have to wonder how Natoth must feel sitting there just 10 feet away from whatever's going on behind the curtain as the attache. <laughs> I would hope that Jakar would like dismiss her when he's doing those things and not have her sitting there awkwardly listening, I guess. No, yeah, and there wasn't even like a door between them, was there? It was like a curtain. It was a curtain, yeah. Oh my God, that's scandalous. Yeah, you don't, you don't envy Jakar's assistant. HR complaints up the wazoo. Oh my Lord, oh my Lord. <laughs> Yeah, so we get treated to a scene of Jakar in this in this like you know, what like Ron Jeremy robe, just like this yeah. big open chest robe. Yeah, it's like my God, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. If that we being said, that. the the makeup team did a pretty good job with the chest piece there. Yeah, making it look pretty real. I thought that was pretty good. It's true, but yeah, it's true. It was silly. <laughs> yeah, and basically Sinclair tries to convince jakar to play nice with the centauri and he of course is like Mm -hmm. no of course because of course he's not and then sinclair says something about we're at a crossroads which i think is supposed to be like the thesis statement of this episode this episode is a crossroads and spoiler alert it's not going to go down the way that makes everything better (laughs) (laughs) very true very true and then i guess sinclair goes straight from that meeting with jakar to a double date with his best gal and Garibaldi and Ivanova. Mm-hmm. And are they a thing? Are they an item? Did no. Sinclair no, invite them they're separately. They're just there as friends. Okay. And basically asks Garibaldi to be his best man. And the woman, even though she doesn't really know Ivanova, is like, I guess you can. You should be my <laughs> maid of honor. It felt very much like you guys are the most prominent other characters here. So Right, yeah. I think it would have been weird for her to just bring up some random person in the last episode of the season that we've never met. So they probably just threw her in there for I suppose that's for true. That Although, you know, on that note, well, so, okay, skipping ahead a little bit, when Garibaldi is investigating what's going on and his assistant comes, the one that ultimately betrays mm-hmm. him, I... Yep. I thought it would have hit a lot harder if they had introduced this guy before they did they did oh god i'm so bad at this he's been in like four or five episodes just as a background character but he's been there okay yeah no i mean having garibaldi like do like having him be his lieutenant and the the one where he when he has to give orders to someone it's this guy not that we had to see him in like a bunch of scenes or he had to have a bunch of lines but just enough to be like oh my god he's been with him since the beginning or something i don't know maybe this hasn't been in the works since the beginning but for me as soon as he entered the scene i was like oh this dude's obviously gonna betray garibaldi (laughs) i don't know something Mm -hmm. about it he definitely appeared in a handful of episodes during the season I don't think he said too much, but he's definitely there taking orders and stuff like that. They didn't really establish him, I don't think, as like Garibaldi's second in command that well, though. But he was definitely around. Well, I I half retract my comment, though. That's definitely the kind of thing I would never notice. (laughs) So thanks for telling me. But yeah, I think I take your point that if they had done a better job of establishing him as his second in command, like, oh, yeah, there's Jack. We've seen him in like half the episodes or he's gone out to Garibaldi for drinks after work a couple times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
for there to have been any other reason for him to be in that scene other than betraying Sinclair. Because that was the problem. Garibaldi's been out here doing this investigation by himself the whole episode by that point. Mm-hmm. And then this guy shows up. It's like, oh, well, he's obviously here to betray Garibaldi. Whereas if we had seen him before and would recognize him, we'd be like, oh, okay. This is I mean, even buddy. if in this episode, Garibaldi had been like, okay, I need some help investigating. Let's go investigate this, Jack. Agreed. And they're investigating it together. That would have done a better job of establishing it, I think. I, would, I, I agree with that. That's like uh, a little ways on yet. I yeah. did skip ahead. Let's see. After the mewage scene... <laughs> uh, we get after the marriage scene. We get the attack on the. That's what brings us together today. <laughs> yeah, we get a nice space battle with some funky looking, spiky evil ships. Are they evil though, or are they good guys? I mean, that, we don't that, know. That we don't know. That design though. I mean, it looks super evil. <laughs> it looks super evil. It has very like hey. we got skulls on our ha- helmets. Are we the baddies? <laughs> energy, you know. Well, maybe if their enemies had the symbol of a rat's anus on a flag, they, they would be the bad guys, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well quoted, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> indeed, indeed, Eric. But yes, the Narn outpost is wiped out by these strange-looking... Oh, it's not, even a, it's not even a fight. It goes quick. We see yeah. them shoot back a little bit, but it doesn't seem to do much. Yeah, so the Narn outpost is wiped out. We get as much CGI as we've gotten so far, I would say. What do you think of the ship designs? Did you like them? Yeah, they're they're cool. I thought they were neat. I guess I didn't have a, a strong reaction to them, but yeah. yeah. You just strongly reacted to the fact that they're evil. Well, yeah, I mean, it's true. It's true. Though <laughs> I was like, well, we don't know who these guys are, but they look evil AF. Like, they look super <laughs> yeah, evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know man nines are wiped out cool cgi scene okay and then we get to the scene with garibaldi there's a scene in here where someone tells garib oh actually when at the marriage scene garibaldi is interrupted (laughs) and said oh you're the prisoner escaped yeah so the next garibaldi we've seen we get after all that ship blowy up action is him with his buddy and it basically ends with his buddy ambushing him and shooting him in the back and mm-hmm. almost killing him. There were a couple scenes where there was a bit of kind of foreshadowing. Where This whole episode was foreshadowing. The whole thing was yeah. just one big foreshadow. <laughs> well, there was a scene where Ivanova is watching the news broadcast about, oh, the vice president has gotten off Earth Force One and is sick and all this other stuff. And then how they're going to go have a nice party at the IO jump point now. And he's going to catch up with them. I think one of the crucial parts of that scene with Garibaldi investigating is that he determines that they are trying to get jamming equipment into the area to jam comm signals. But that's kind of what triggers him to figure out what's going on and go try to reach Sinclair. And rather than saying they're going to assassinate the president over the link, he's like, oh, we're going to meet in person. Meet me here. Yeah, code ultraviolet. No time to explain. Or like, I don't want to say it over the comms or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just enough to give urgent but vague warning and then get shot in the back. Shot in the back, yep. Yeah, didn't deserve it. Old Garibaldi didn't deserve it. Although, (laughs) yeah, this was a very noir episode for Garibaldi. Very much, very much. Yeah, and then we get into the... 
next act of the, the episode where Sinclair's trying to track down Garibaldi. That's right. Now and Sinclair's trying to find This Garibaldi. is where Delenn shows up. And she's like, do you remember this? And shows him the triangle of magic yeah, stuff. Yeah, Those exactly. You know, you know the mysteries of your past that you've been desperately trying to unlock for a long time now? Yeah, so I have some yeah. crucial information for you about that very topic. Uh, that's yep. extremely time sensitive. So, you know, come and talk to me really soon. Yeah, I know we're face to face, but, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, bye. And then she yeah. leaves. And what bugged me about this, like obviously this scene bugged me because I just made fun of it because it was just ridiculous. Yeah. But also the reason Sinclair doesn't go meet her, it's not because all this shit is happening and it just makes him take too long. They added this dumb, ridiculous little scene where he's just sitting at the bar. So now instead mm-hmm. of, and, and you know, Kosh has to come remind him to go look, check on Delayed in like the penultimate, penultimate scene. So now instead of the completely reasonable idea that all these critical, urgent events have prevented him from learning this secret, it's now just like, oh, he forgot. <laughs> Yeah. He forgot. Yeah. What do you What do you want from him? Like he, you know, he's had a couple drinks. What do you want? Hey, Shut up. He has a five o'clock shadow now. That obviously means he's stressed and hasn't slept in a long time. That's true. And so yeah, the five o'clock shadow of stress. Go. Yeah. It makes its appearance here. <laughs> and he was clean shaved, like just a couple scenes before that. So, well, that was yeah, that was like go. three o'clock when he was clean shaved. Oh, true. It wasn't yet five That's o'clock, obviously. <laughs> yes yes but before that we also get Vince garibaldi crawls to an elevator yeah and manages to hit the elevator and is found by some party goers this episode is apparently happening on new year's right and those were the least futuristic new year celebration i've ever seen it <laughs> What, were you expecting holograms or something? Yes, I was, in fact. Or like something, you know, neon signs or, you know, something that maybe could have looked futuristic. This this looked like an office party from the 90s. Yes, it very much did. <laughs> but anyway, okay, there's a New Year's party. And uh, yeah, some party goers find Garibaldi dying in this elevator. And we get yep. a scene of Dr. Franklin listing all the organs that have damaged and the spleen. <laughs> poor spleen yeah don't forget the spleen and later on we see him preparing to go into surgery and these surgery outfits are ridiculous they're like ninja (laughs) outfits but but for surgery (laughs) which i guess now that i say that i mean that checks out that (laughs) checks out i guess i guess surgery scrubs and masks are a little ninja like when you really think about it yes and really, are ninjas all that different from surgeons? They both use sharp When you think about it, both... yeah. When you really, yeah, you're right. Exactly. You're right, Eric. That's a good point. Yeah. Genius, <laughs> even. So let me ask yeah. you something here. What's up? In this scene, Garibaldi tells Sinclair what's going to happen. He knows, okay, they're going to kill the president. You got to stop him. Yeah. All yeah. That Croaking jazz. these out as possibly right. his last words. Although, come on. Did you think in that moment that they were going to manage to stop it? As is the trope in oh, most yeah. Oh, totally. Situations. I thought this was Garibaldi after her, heroic, a heroic effort to like get this information. I thought it was going to come through in the nick of time. 100% mm-hmm. I thought that was going to happen. You know, that countdown, get to one, and they get the message out just in time. And like, oh, it saves the day. 
but it doesn't happen. They don't win this time. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah, the president gets blown up. And, you know, I... Live on TV. Live on TV, I know. Actually, a lot of this plot arc reminded me of, well, not that I was alive at the time, but of the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely parallels to that. Well, more yeah. than parallels. That video of the vice president getting sworn in with a small cadre of followers, yeah. that was very clearly based off of that footage of Lyndon Johnson getting sworn mm-hmm. in on, I don't know, some kind of plane. Yeah, he was on another plane, Air Force Two in that case. Right, yeah. No, it, that that to me felt definitely inspired by history, yeah. I thought. So yeah, this was mm-hmm. like, what if Lyndon Johnson, well, at least at least so far it's hinted that orchestrated the assassination or at least was... Well, if you ever watched Red Dwarf, you know that it was actually Lister that killed the president. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I have not actually okay. seen Red Dwarf. There's another series we have to watch. So. <laughs> Great, okay. <laughs> With podcasting material for years. Yes, exactly, exactly. So yeah, the president doesn't make no. it we see earth force one get blowed up on tv and we see the reaction of the bridge crew and it's it's actually kind of heart-wrenching yeah no it's tough that was a twist for me i absolutely thought they were going to stop it so much of the episode was them getting the information they needed to stop it right so yeah i agree i thought it was definitely a big twist very sad and come to think of it at least one episode had this president's support of Sinclair being explicitly the reason Sinclair got his way or remained yeah. in charge or something. You didn't see him. There was another episode where the president came and gave his speech. If you remember, there was another time where they tried to assassinate him on Babylon 5, where he tried to blow up the Cobra base. That's right. That's right. right? So this isn't the first attempt. This, you know, this you are correct, has been going sir. on. Yeah, it's been going on and on. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look, maybe he was a real jerk of a president. Could be. Although the next guy had a lot of nationalist vibes. He was like, we're going to move yeah, forward yeah. by focusing on ourselves. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, that's always a good sign, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at this point, we can start talking about real world politics if you want. but <laughs> I'd rather not. We've been talking... Thanks for the offer, yeah. though. <laughs> the parallels are, yeah, let's say there's some parallels there. Yeah, for real. For real. We also get a scene back in the gardens, the scheming gardens. Scheming gardens. Of Londo being speechless that this dude attacked this military outpost and killed, you know, whatever, 10,000 Narn soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of with the devil, Morden, on this one. <laughs> like, Londo, what did you think? He talked about getting rid of a military outpost. What did you think he was going to do? Like... <laughs> He was going to go up there and ask him to politely leave. No, exactly. And I guess I understand. Okay, he didn't think that this random dude somehow had access to military assets sufficient to destroy them. But right. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Londo, once again, this deal could not have been presented to you any shadier. Yeah. But now Londo is the hero of the Centauri. Hero of the Centauri and indebted to the space devil. No big deal. That mm-hmm. probably won't. They're just going to ask a favor. Exactly. Just a small I'm favor. I'm sure this won't come back to haunt him at all. I mean, how else do you repay killing 10,000 enemy soldiers? What kind of favor could possibly repay that? I'd imagine buying him an ice cream or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that, prob- that should be sufficient. Probably an ice cream. Exactly. 
covering his tab at the bar. That's great. <laughs> Have to show him that famous system he has to win at space yeah. gambling. <laughs> we heard about the system that you developed. Yeah, we really would yeah. be interested in learning more about that. <laughs> Well, let's see. Through fits and starts, I think we've gotten through just about everything major. Londo's deal with the devil. Yep. Jakar being a poon hound. Mm-hmm. And kind mm-hmm. of kind of a lush as well. Three seems excessive to me. Three just seems like, you know, <laughs> an irresponsible use of the embassy's money. Very true. Very true. Oh, oh, oh. Almost the last scene of, or maybe it is the last scene. So Kosh comes in and reminds Sinclair, hey, did forgetting something? Because he's at the mm-hmm. bar drinking. He's like, oh my god, Delenn. So he runs to Delenn's room and Lanier is there because someone has to be there to say words to uh, yes. Sinclair. But Delenn is in a chrysalis, which is the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know what's happening. No one does. She's like, Lanier, what's she turning into? He's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> What I don't get, though, you know, going back to that whole thing where Dylan had something super important to tell him, yeah. right? Yeah. In this scene, just prior to this, Natasha shows up in Jakar's quarters, and her asking for Jakar triggers an automated message for her. That's right, right? yes. Why didn't Dylan do something like that for Sinclair? Agreed. Okay, I know I'm going to be in a chrysalis thing, so maybe you won't get there, but I'll leave you a message she's, that only you can she's access. She's too busy being cryptic to be pragmatic. <laughs> Come on, backup plans she, yeah, here. Let's she's go. She's using all her brain power to be as enigmatic as possible without <laughs> just like, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. She could have left him a note, like a written note, like yes. a barbarian. She could have left him a future uh, like a space note on a video screen. Yeah. She could have. She could have told. She Lanier could have something. told Lanier. There were so many opportunities. <laughs> she could have told them when they were face to face she could have told them. i don't know yeah i don't know yeah. it's crazy maybe the membari just think differently for some reason i don't get it delenn is just bad at time management it's not everyone's yes. forte it also wasn't <laughs> obvious why time was so short maybe it will be in the future but why couldn't she have waited another half hour she just started the thing all on her own no one was telling her, do it right now. Yeah, it wasn't made clear why that thing that was happening to her had to happen in the moment. She hadn't even started it by the time she was talking to him. Yeah, exactly. Right? So she could have waited on she it. She had time to go and find him, yeah. but not to, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was just silly. I could understand that time was short if she had already started the process, thinking that she was going to tell him, but she hadn't even started by the time she had asked or started talking to him. It's true. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so that was the finale. Like yep. five or something plot lines. Yeah. So uh, the season a little busy. finale. A little busy for me. A little busy. I, yeah, I think to your point, there's just a lot going on here. They have characters going in multiple directions. So if we just look back on it, where we have the characters ending up, Garibaldi, we don't know if he's going to survive or That's not. Right. He's still in he's surgery. Like in surgery. Jakar's disappeared. He's going to track down who attacked their base. Oh, that's right. Londo is kind of not knowing what to do with himself. Yep. He's kind of Pending feeling bad. the devil calling yeah. him this favor. Yep. Sinclair is going to get married to hot chick number two. Yeah. Or, with, without yeah. his best man, yeah. though. 
I mean, well, his best yeah. man, yeah. Deland is changing into something. Who no one knows what Becoming that is. Becoming a Deland butterfly. Becoming a Deland butterfly. Ivanova's just chilling. She's just she's around. Yeah. Just you chilling. Can catch her. She's around. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Ivanova's fine. So yeah, we have our characters going in different directions at the end of the season here, and yeah, a lot of threads to pick up on yeah. the next season. Yeah. I'd say it's a it's a way to wrap up the season, but it really doesn't wrap up anything. No, it doesn't wrap up it anything. Opens up the book for a lot more stuff. Basically. Yeah, no, that's why it feels like one of these we've already have the next season signed kind of yeah. finales. But yeah, no, on its own merits as a standalone episode, I didn't think it was all that great just mm-hmm. because it had so many plot arcs and none of them had a satisfying conclusion. They all were some version <laughs> of a cliffhanger. Yeah, and this is one of those episodes where you need to see the following episode before you can really judge fair enough. it fully, yeah. I think. I, I think that's fair. And with that, we bring up the end of season one of Babylon 5. Guys, we did it. We made it through the we first season. Here I am. My, my hair is gray. Yeah. My eyes are failing. My hands weak. <laughs> but we did it. We're done with the first season. We made it through the first season. Congratulations, Andrew. We are sending the plaque your way now. You have now made it through the first season. (laughs) Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to have a kind of a season wrap-up episode uh, following this. It'll be a shorter episode where we just kind of recap the season, that sort of thing. But in terms of the episode itself, sounds like it had its enjoyable parts for you, but kind of a middling episode in terms of the episode itself yeah i'd say that right it had some moments of brilliance you know the Mm -hmm. president getting blowed up i didn't see it coming and it was really impactful so like that you know there are some Mm -hmm. great parts of this episode but yeah i agree overall overall maybe you know seven out of ten seven out yeah not bad bad. not great yeah who was your favorite character this episode i mean garibaldi I, i i keep going back to garibaldi but this was one of his episodes. He had a lot of scenes and he got shot. Mm-hmm. He delivered heroic last words or not last words, but you know, croaked out critical information. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else. Delenn was just, yeah, I wasn't into Delenn so much. Sinclair's scenes were meh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going with Garibaldi. Although Lando gets an honorary mention for that cat's line. That was, <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. Best line of the episode by I far. I think, honestly, best line of the of the season, <laughs> to be real. The season. You know, I do. That, it, was, it was so well done. Yeah. It was great. They both played that really well. <laughs> they both did a great job with that. Yeah. Well done, right, Eric. Very good. One season down. Yeah. One season down. Like I mentioned, we'll do a wrap-up episode probably do a 30 minute episode following this for a wrap-up where we kind of look at our thoughts for the season overall and where things might go in the following season but before we wrap up today's episode a quick aside for science corner i'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism space Eric, 
So, okay. Uh, to our <laughs> listeners, when we're recording this, there's no music. Like, we just... What are you talking about? Just there's stop, music well, right no, now. The, I, I need to set this... Right. So, we just stopped talking. So, I didn't know until I listened to the episode <laughs> cut in audio. I think it's from Red Alert. Yeah. Command and Conquer. Was. Maybe not even Red Alert. Maybe before that, Command and Conquer. I don't quite remember. It was Red Alert, yeah. Which, I mean... I love that. I love that. That tickled me in all the right places. That was so perfect. I don't know yeah. what future communists have to do with the science quarter, though. But space, but gonna, <laughs> one place not corrupted by capitalism. Space. <laughs> it's funny. The story behind that was that he was trying so hard not to laugh at that line, but they kept it in anyways. And you could see it in the video that he's trying and so hard heat, not to laugh. And the heat, by the way, for, for those of you who aren't maybe not as old as us or just aren't familiar, that's Tim Curry. That's Tim Curry. actually Tim yeah. Curry. They hired known actors to do these cutscenes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Tim Curry was one of the main characters. I mean, I was too young to appreciate how spoiled we were you know we, we were by mm. these command and conquer games yeah back before they turned to nonsense back then fmv was a big thing full motion video and video games yeah. i mean it was pretty silly but it was fun well you couldn't <laughs> do it in cgi and have it fit on a disc right that was <laughs> they couldn't fit on one disc anyways i had games that had like seven discs because of all the fmv and wow them. seven discs <laughs> i remember you know those early final fantasy games that had three and four discs yeah 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 I had two of the Wing Commander games. Wing Commander, space shooter for those that like it, had Mark Hamill in it. You know, the guys that played Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. He was also in Wing Commander. And I think it was like three and four had a bunch of full motion video. And yeah, seven, eight discs easily CDs. Wow. So totally off topic. I know eventually we're going to talk about science, but you know what I love <laughs> about the original Star Wars trilogies is if you go and listen to interviews by Mark Hamill and alec guinness right who played obi-wan they kind of couldn't care less about the star wars universe and they're like, <laughs> they're like yeah it's a fun space story yeah sure people are gonna love it the sort of cultural phenomenon it became and the huge franchise it became it's just so funny that alec guinness especially who's a classically trained actor in lawrence of arabia he's just like yeah it's a silly movie about space wizards <laughs> you know i don't know yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's kind of funny though okay anyway back to science card you might need to play that music again I don't know. <laughs> okay science corner so in this week's science corner the artemis rocket is getting ready to launch you can hear about this they're doing some testing in the next couple weeks no i haven't no tell me tell me about it eric yeah so the artemis rocket artemis one on the sls launch platform which is Second largest rocket after Saturn V, by the way, for those of you that don't know, at least in the U.S. The Russians made a big rocket, too, way back in the day, but we won't talk about that right now. Anyways, this rocket, they're doing some testing in preparation for it. The SLS launch system will be used for the upcoming moon missions. And so this first mission is going to be an unmanned, basically, test flight of the Artemis One space module. Getting that up into space, flying it around a bit, doing that sort of stuff. So they're prepping for the launch. Right now, doing some tests, the, the actual rocket is on the launch pad. They're doing launch prep and tests. The launch is 
slated for sometime in August, hopefully, is what they're looking at. But yeah, it's really cool. It's a really big freaking rocket, which is cool. And Love it. We're going back to we're space. Going back to we're space. going back to the moon. Ah, that's so exciting. Yeah, so exciting. Awesome. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's awesome. What to say? What to yeah. say? It's good news in this environment of seemingly nothing but bad news. That's very <laughs> very cool. Yeah, very good news. it's it's really cool, and you know, I hope that it will be as inspirational to the kids growing up as the shuttle missions were to our generation and Saturn V and moon missions were to previous generations. Because it's just really cool to to see those things take off yeah. and all the stuff happening on around them and. I think they're planning on trying to set up a moon base, our first moon base in totally. the and, not you know, distant future. I, yeah. I And it's like the optimist's version of what the future should look like, right? Like space travel, sure. exploring the final frontier, doing all that good stuff. We get enough of the <laughs> bad ways that yeah. technology can affect us in day-to-day news and stuff. So yeah. it's awesome to see like, yeah, something happening that's... Yeah, exactly. Can inspire future generations and get people excited about science mm. and space. My one wish was that by now we would have something a little more sophisticated than a big explosive rocket to send us to space. Oh, yeah. Well, Space Elevator you know, has been hobbyists' imagination for decades now, right? So yeah. Kinda, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe someday. Maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be a very challenging engineering project. But it'd be very cool if it's something we could make happen. Yeah, that is cool stuff. So I don't know too much about the Artemis rocket specifically, but I will, because we're in the science corner, I'll share a cool fun fact I remember learning about rockets in general. So when rockets fire, essentially a giant plasma torch, it's just this huge, incredibly hot, incredibly fast moving gas and plasma. And Mm -hmm. a big challenge in designing rockets is how do you build something that doesn't just disintegrate when it comes in contact to that. Like the big cones at the end of a rocket, how do those stay intact and not just melt away? And the answer is that they have little uh, tubes running around the cone that actually inject extra fuel into the mixture, into the the blast. And you'd Mm -hmm. think that adding more fuel would make it even hotter and make it even more destructive but actually you want the right amount of oxygen and fuel mix and if you have too much of one or too much of the other it doesn't burn as hot so the fuel rich gas by the rim is cool enough that it doesn't just just totally destroy the rocket so there's my fun fact about rockets is that (laughs) they actually inject extra fuel around the rocket bell the cone to prevent the cone from just disintegrating Sometimes it pays to have a rocket scientist on your podcast. Well, I'm not a rocket scientist, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a joke when I was in school, which is that even rocket science isn't rocket science anymore because all those differential equations, computers do it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it is still rocket science. It's incredibly complicated, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to think that people used to do all those calculations by hand. That stuff. Is yeah, nuts. I was reading about the the computers on the Artemis rocket are obviously leaps and bounds beyond what they had for the Apollo missions, which a graphing calculator is more powerful than what they had in the Apollo yeah, missions. Yeah, totally. And they have four redundant computer systems in there that have 
thousands of times more memory than the Apollo missions and thousands of times more computational oh, yeah. capacity than the Apollo missions. You know, you know, absolutely blows my mind. Have you seen that movie, Hidden Figures? About, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so those mathematicians, the computers, which was the name of an occupation, like humans would mm-hmm. be computers. And this was considered grunt work to crank yep. through these equations. And through my schooling, I had to do lots of equations, many of them much simpler than what you'd find in the real world. <laughs> and it just blows my yeah. mind that this was considered grunt work. It's like yeah. the opposite of grunt work. It's really hard. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of sometimes creativity mm-hmm. to solve these differential equations and stuff. I forget the doctor's name. Obviously, she'd be a doctor because, you know, whether she had the degree or not, she had that level of intelligence right. to be doing these sorts of things. But there's a picture of the lady that did all the programming for the Apollo missions, I think. And it shows her standing next to all the written equations that she had to do for that. It's like a giant book that's like half as tall as she is. And it's ridiculous the amount of mental thought processes that went into all that. And it's, it's pretty cool to think about that. And also ridiculous to think about how badly treated those individuals were in, the, in that time and space. And obviously, Hidden Figures is about those people of minority persuasion that were contributing as well, that were also badly treated during that time period. But yet they were contributing so much to what we did and our success in that time period. It was, it was pretty cool how much they did. Just wish they had gotten their recognition back then. I completely agree. I completely cooler. agree. Yeah, and of course, it was a good deal of prejudice that led people to assuming these jobs were some version of grunt work. But to anyone who's actually done these kinds of calculations, I don't know, it's crazy to think that you could somehow not respect the people doing this really Mm. tough type of work. Yeah. Anyway, okay. And on that note, (laughs) so thank you all, friends, for joining us for the season finale of Babylon 5. Just as a brief recap, we'll be having a follow-on episode to this one to wrap up Season 1 of Babylon 5. And then after that, a little special aside where we're going to take a fun look at Galaxy Quest. But we'll see that here in the future. In the meantime, thank you all for listening as always. We'll see you again in a couple weeks' time. With that, Andrew, any last words? Uh, Just a few. Good eating to you. A good eating to you, too. All right, bye, everyone.